It's good to be back with you. I want to share a story with you about uh, from a book called uh, Love Does. It's by Bob, Bill Goff, and, it, and it's a story that just, I enjoy it. it. It reminds me of some things, but as we look at it, in his book, he has a story about a young man named Ryan. Uh, Bob Goff and his wife live or have a house on the bay up in the, in the northern part, and they have, they have a beach house there, and they sit, like to sit out on the backyard porch and watch people walk along the beach and things. And usually as people are going by, they'll look up and they'll wave at the goss, and of course they'll wave back at them as they're going along and the things that are there. And on this particular day, a young man had, was walking by, and he started waving just like everybody else, and so the goths waved back at him, but he just stood there and kept waving. And so they kept waving too. And he kept on waving and waving. Finally, Bob decided, you know, I, I need to go see what the, you know, what's going on. And so he walked down to the shoreline to where the young man was. And he introduced himself. And the young man said, hi, I'm, I, I, I'm Ryan. And I'm in love. And Bob said, well, yeah, that's good, you know. Uh, glad. And he said, well, no, that's not really what I want. What I wanted to know is I walk by here all the time. And, and I see you out there in your yard. I was wondering. Do you think it might be possible if I brought my, my girlfriend to your backyard and proposed to her in your backyard? And he thought, I don't even know this guy, you know, and he'd never seen him, and he's asking to use it, but why not? I mean, it's obvious this young man was love-struck. He was wanting to show his, his girl that he loved her and, and set things up. He was, you know, going, he was being audacious. He was being bold. So why not join in and be a part of it? And so I said, sure, why not? Go get your girl, and let's get you all engaged. Well, it wasn't long, a few more days or so went by and hadn't really thought anything about it. And We were out sitting on the porch again and people were going by and here come this young man. And he's standing out there waving again and, and soon I realized that that was Ryan. And so I went down to the, where he was again and I said, hi Ryan, how you doing? He said, you remember I, I asked you about maybe bringing my girlfriend here and, and I could propose to her in your backyard? He said, yeah, yeah, I remember, that's, that's fine. He said, well... Do you think maybe, uh, well, you know, maybe could, would you be willing to serve us dinner on your back porch? <laughs> Bob just, what? <laughs> I don't even know this guy, but a few days, and now he's wanting me to serve him dinner on my back porch. And so I said, sure, why not? I was getting caught up in this thing. I mean, he was, he was in love, and he didn't care. He thought everybody ought to know he was in love. He just assumed everybody else was in love because he was having so much love for his girlfriend. And, so he was there and for a while, and he came, you know, and it was maybe a week or so went by, and I thought, well, maybe that's about it, and that there he was again, and he, he was waving, but this time he had gotten to know me a little bit better. We'd talked some, and he came right on up into the yard. He didn't even wait for me to come out and see him anymore, and he said, Bob, you remember, you know, I'm going to come, and, and I'm going to bring my girlfriend, and you're going to have dinner here on the back porch for us and everything? He said, yes, I, I know, and he said, um, well, you think it'd be all right if I had some of my friends serve us dinner? And he said, well, yeah, that'd be fine. How many friends are you talking about? And he said, 20. 20 friends are going to serve the two of you? And he said, yeah, yes, if that's all right. And he said, sure, that'd be fine. What would you, you know, what do you want me to serve? And he said, but by, he, he was already gone. Every time, he, every time he got his answer, he just kind of floated away. He was so excited about what was going and happening. So he went, and I'd gotten so caught up in this, I got to where I was looking forward to him coming and seeing what was the next thing he was going to ask, what was going to be there. I'd even started coming home from work early so I could make sure I was out on the porch in case he came by and something was going on. And He came back by, and, and he, he, there he comes again up the porch, and 
he's looking and he's talking. He said, you know, they're going to serve us dinner and, and everything. He said, do you think you might mind if, if you put up some speakers on, on the porch and after dinner maybe my, my fiance, I mean my girlfriend and I could, could kind of dance together and while we're dancing I could propose to her. And I said, okay, I'll, we'll have the music ready and everything set up. And so there he goes again. And everything's going fine. He's looking at it and he's waiting and he's just coming. But it was several days he hadn't come by. And Bob said, I was almost, I'd gotten so caught up in this, I was almost despondent. I was getting discouraged because he wasn't coming anymore. I thought, surely he hasn't run out of ideas now. He hadn't quit by now. At this point, I mean, this guy had been so bold and so outrageous the whole time. I just, I couldn't wait to see what was next. And sure enough, he came running into the yard. I mean, he was, he'd been running, and he came up, and he was out of breath, and he couldn't hardly breathe, and he was bending over his spot. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you have a boat? Do what? Do you have a boat? Yes, I happen to have a boat. And he said, what? Do you think there might be any possibility that uh, maybe we could go out on your boat? Uh, that night after we've danced and everything and, and out there on the, in the water and everything, while we're on the deck, I could propose to my girlfriend. And he said, it's kind of outrageous. I mean, who would go and ask the perfect stranger if we can use their boat? But he, he's done that. And so he says, sure, that, that'll be fine. But by that time, Bob said, I was so caught up in this myself, I thought I'd one-up him. And so I called the Coast Guard. And I talked to somebody for a little while and then I got a hold of an officer and explained about Ryan and how in love he was and all these things he's doing to propose to his girlfriend and how he's wanting to come out now on my boat and, and, and use it to that time. And the Coast Guard and I kind of made an agreement for that evening that time was going to come. And so that evening when it was time for it to come, it seemed like some of the stars just came out even earlier because they were even excited about what was going on and seeing as it would look and come. And Bob brought his girlfriend, and I mean, Ryan brought his girlfriend, and they were walking along. And they turned up into our yard, and she just looked at him. Ryan, what are you doing? Where are we going? Do you know these people? And he said, just come on, just come on. So they came up, and we they had the dinner, and it was a nice dinner, and their friends did such a great job of serving them. Everything worked so well. Looked at it, and they had the music, and they were just up there on the porch dancing, just whispering in each other's ear and talking to one another and the things that were going on. And After a little while, he said, he took her by the hand and said, come on, and they, she assumed they were leaving. And They went down, and instead of turning to go the way they'd come, they just kept right on going down toward the dock. And he said, Brian, where are we going? What are you doing? He said, just come on, come on. So he got out there and got on the boat, and I, Bob said, I, I took off and we strolled, we went on out into the waterways and we went to the area that we had agreed upon and I stopped and everything and he and his girlfriend were out there on the front of the deck just there and just in case he got where he couldn't talk, he gets nervous, he's afraid he might not get it out. He had 50 more of his friends on the shore with candles spelling out, will you marry me? And he got down on his knee and he proposed to her and and she said yes, and they gripped one another, and they weren't paying attention to me. The Coast Guard boat had come up behind us about that time, like we had agreed it on, and as, as soon as she said yes, I gave a thumbs up, and they fired off all the water cannons on that boat so that there was a water mist, just like little water kisses falling down on them on the boat as they came and being a part of it. Ryan was in love, and he wanted everybody to know. He didn't care who thought he was crazy. He didn't care how bold they thought he was, how audacious they thought he was. He was in love. And he wanted everybody to know that. 
See, that's what Jesus talks to us about in our relationship with him, is that we are to love one another in such a way that the world knows that we are loved by God, we love God, and that we love one another. That's what he talks about in the gospel of John in chapter 13 in verses 34 and 35. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me for a moment as we honor the reading of God's word and let that word speak to us today. The scripture says here as Jesus is talking to his disciples, this is in the upper room, they've experienced that last meal together, and he's talking with them about some things. He's just told them, I'm about to leave, and on the very end of that, he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we gather together here, we've had already a wonderful time of worship and and time of sharing together in this time of being in your house with your people. And what a joy it is to always be able to to come before you at your invitation and to be loved by you and to be able to express our love to you, to love one another. But sometimes we just need to pause and reflect and be reminded of that command that you've given us, that, that we are to love each other. And, and we're to love each other in such a way that the whole world knows it, that we are your followers. And I just want to take a little bit of time this morning, Father, and ask that you would remind me and remind all of us of your command and what that means in our life as we try to be the people of God that you've called us to be. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus, as I mentioned, you can be seated, as I mentioned, was here in the upper room. He's just experienced the time with his disciples and, and, the, and having that last meal, having washed their feet, having done these things with them. He's preparing to go to the cross. That's what's on his mind. That's where he's headed. It's what he's talking about when he says, I'm about to go somewhere that you can't go with me. On the end of that, he says, I give you a new commandment. Now, the commandment in itself really wasn't so new because even in the book of Leviticus and in the, through the Old Testament, God, the Bible teaches us that we're to love our neighbors, that we're to love each other. And so in that aspect, it wasn't new. The one another part of it is a word that implies that you and I have a reciprocal responsibility. I'm to love you and you're to love me. There's a, there's a give and take in that responsibility as we share to, with one another. Uh, Hebrews tells it this way, that we're to provoke one another to love and good deeds, that we're to help each other. We're to so out-love each other that we want to be in a contest almost, that we're trying to see who can love each other more. It's, it's a, a desire to just pour God's love upon one another as we have the opportunity to do that. And that's what the Bible's talking about, that you're to love one another, to be a, a part of, of giving your love to each other and the things that are going on. But Jesus, what makes it really new, what changes the scope of this commandment, what causes it to bring, uh, get our attention and to teach us how that we're to love one another, he says as he goes on, not only are you to love one another, but the newness, the distinctiveness about his command that makes it new in the same manner that I have loved you. Now, you see, it's easy for us to say to one another, I love you. Most of us say it a lot. Mean it little, but we say it a lot. And we say we love everything. We, we love all that's in the world, and we love everything that comes along. We, you know, we don't have a clue what the word love means anymore because we use it for everything. But Jesus defines it for us. He brings it to a point for us so that we understand that we're to love each other. That's you and I, brothers, as he's talking to the disciples. We're to love each other, but we're to love each other in a very special way. We're to love each other in the same way that Christ loved us. Now, that changes the whole picture. 
That changes everything about who you are and who I am in the aspect of how we're going to live for God and what we're going to do. If we're going to love each other in the way that Christ loved us, that's a whole different category. That's a whole different picture of anything we've thought about in the realm of love before. Because that means if we're going to love each other the same way that Christ loved us, we're going to have to love with the same kind of characteristics, the same kind of actions, the same kind of attitude in which he had. And let me just take a few moments to remind you of a few of those things. We don't have time this morning by any means to begin to even get close to all the manners in which he loved us and the things that he did. Obviously, we can even take your scripture that you have in your bulletin this morning. He demonstrated his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Certainly, that's one way he loved us. It was sacrificial. He gave his life to us. And if you and I are going to love each other the way Christ loved us, that means that we're going to have to have a kind of love that's a sacrificial kind of love. A love that gives without any thought of return. It's unconditional. It's, it's not based upon, you do something for me, I'll do something for you. It's not based upon the idea that you can earn my, my, my love. You can earn uh, my love for you by the things you do, by the things you give to me, how you make me feel, then I'll make you feel I'll love you back in return. We try to do that a lot. We even do it sometimes with our families. We make them feel as though the only way that we love them is if they measure up. You know, you make good grades in school, well, I, I love you. You get in trouble, don't bother talking to me about it. You know, we, we put conditions on what we do. But the Bible says that we're to love each other in the same way that Christ loves us. And that means uh, sacrifice. That means I've got to love you in so much that it, it's, gonna, it's probably going to cost me. It's probably going to mean giving more than I feel like I have to give. It's going to mean that it could cause pain. It could cause hurt. It could cause me to, to be taken advantage of. It could cause me to be used by you. But I can't take that into account. I can't allow that to affect what I may or may not do because I have to love you in a sacrificial way, in an unconditional way. I have to give everything that I am. I have to love you though it may be unmerited. See, I don't have a choice of picking out who I love. I can't pick out those who can do something for me and love them and those who can't and say, I don't need them. We can't choose who we're going to share the gospel with. We can't choose who we're going to give our hearts to. We can't choose who we're going to demonstrate that servanthood attitude to because we are called to love one another in the same manner in which Christ has loved us. We can't base it upon somebody being more worthy in our eyes than somebody else. We can't have pride. We can't have prejudice. We can't put people in categories and choose the ones that we're going to love. No, Jesus said, you're going to love in the same manner in which I've loved you. That's my commandment to you as you go. And it wasn't an option. It wasn't something that we could look at and say, you know, he says we ought to love one another, but, you know, and I'll, love the, I'll try to love some people, but there's just some people that aren't very lovable. And you know that. You may be one of them. I don't know. But we have people that aren't lovable. And yet God said love them unconditionally. Love them as though they're the most cherished person you've ever encountered. We're to love them without thinking any thought about their merit, without thinking anything about their worth from the world's view. But from God's view, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, died for them. There's not any person that you know that Christ didn't die for. There's not any person that lives in this city that God doesn't love so very much that he went to the cross for them and died for them that they might know Christ. And so we as God's people have got to love each other in a certain way in order that it might give us the ability to demonstrate that love to a world around us. We have to be willing to do that. The way God loved us was forgiving. So you and I never have the right to not forgive. We can't hold grudges. We can't hold things against people. And that's hard, I know, because some people sometimes do some really awful things to us. 
And if they don't do it to us, they may do it to one of our loved ones or to someone that matters to us. And it didn't really do anything to me, but they did something to somebody that really means something to me, and I don't appreciate it. And, and it's hard to forgive them because of the pain and the hurt that it caused. And, and we can talk about things that, that go on sometimes for years and years, but the Scripture says, if I'm going to be a child of God the way that God wants me to be, if I'm going to live honest before Him the way He wants me to live before Him, then I am commanded to love these people even as he loved me, and he forgave me, though I did not deserve to be forgiven. He forgave me everything, the Bible says. He, he washed away my sins. He forgot them. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. He, take, he took away my sin, and he forgave me completely. And if I'm going to love you the way God teaches me how to love you, that means even if I've got a grudge against you, even if you've hurt me deeply, or hurt someone in my family deeply, or someone that I love deeply, I'm still going to forgive you. I can't hold that grudge. I can't go around. See, a lot of our churches would be so much stronger and so have so many more people in them if we ever learned how to really forgive each other. But we hold grudges. We don't forgive people. If somebody does something to us, oh, we may say I forgive you, but we don't because we're just waiting for them to do something else wrong. And then we're going to say, I knew it wasn't real. I knew you didn't mean it because we didn't forgive them. We didn't let it go. We didn't put it in God's hands and let them forgive. That's what he says. If you're going to love each other the way that I love you. That's the call that he gives to us. And the things that you and I have to remember. It means if we're going to love each other the way God wants us to love each other, we're going to have to be kind to one another. In his kindness that he was. We're going to have to be pure in our love. We're going to have to love each other in such a manner that God is able to use us to demonstrate his love to other people. I'm not saying this morning that that's an easy thing for us to do, because it's not. In fact, it's an impossible thing for us to do, except for the fact that the Bible teaches us that if we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, if we've trusted him as Lord and Savior, then the Scripture tells us that we have the Spirit of the living God dwelling within us. And the Bible also teaches us that the Spirit of God is at work producing the fruit of God's Spirit in us that we have. You can look in Galatians and see about that as you talk about it. And one of the fruits that is demonstrated there, the fruit of the Spirit is Christ-likeness. And then there's nine characteristics of that Christ-likeness, and one of those is love. Now, I can't love the way God wants me to love, but the Spirit of God in me can. I can't give love to every single person I meet because I, I have a hard time letting go of my prejudice. I have a hard time letting go of my anger. I have a hard time being somebody that can just love people in general and believe good in people and want to see the best in people. But God can. And see, if I'm a Christian, if God is really in me and I'm allowing His Holy Spirit to work in me the way He wants to work, He's producing all these fruits in my life. Not me. I can't produce them. I can only bear them. But He produces them. And as he produces these fruits in our life, they are exempt, they are shown, they're put out for the world to see, for each of us to experience among ourselves. And one of those fruits is love. And so the Spirit of the living God this morning wants to take your heart, wants to take my heart, and not only love us so very much that we just are overwhelmed with the reality that God loves me. And that God has shown me his love. And he shows me his love over and over and over again. But that God, in showing me that love, wants me to allow that love to flow from my heart into the lives of other people so that they too can experience God's love in their life. So they can understand that God does love them. See, God believes that every single person has worth. Every single person has value. 
There's no one that's beyond His reach. There's no one that's beyond His meaning. And every single one of you is significant in the kingdom of God. And He wants you to understand that and know that. And so that comes from us being able to learn how to love each other the way that we're supposed to love each other. And to be a part of that kind of work together as we demonstrate that with each other. But there's a, a, another thing that he said. And he said, you know, you're to love one another. That's the commandment that I give you. But he verified that or, or classified it for us in, in a way, defined it by saying you're to love each other, but you, you're to love each other the same way I love you. And then what did he say? By this, all men will know that you're mine. By what? The fact that you go to church every Sunday? Mm-hmm. He didn't say that. The fact that you can quote scripture more than anybody else? I don't think that's what he said. The fact that everybody in town thinks that you're, you're it. I mean, you're, as far as they're concerned, you're the best person that lives in this city. No, he didn't say anything about that. Jesus said the way that you, the world knows that you are my disciple, the way they understand that is by the way you love each other. Not the creeds, not the doctrines, not all those things. All those things are important. Don't misunderstand me. We have to believe truth. We have to live truth. But what designates us, what sets us apart, what causes the world to sit up and take notice is how we love each other. See, in, in that time when Jesus was speaking, they, they, they turned the world upside down. The, a new thing was born when Christ spoke. Something that had never been before came about the church. The bride of Christ, the body of the living God on earth came and existed. And it began to be what God wanted it to be. And, and they loved each other the way they were taught to love each other. They committed themselves to that love. And, and they shared their lives with each other. And they loved. And the world took notice of it. And they began to talk about it. Look at those people. See how they love each other. It didn't make sense because they knew them. You know, we know each other. It doesn't make sense for us to love each other. We know our, our bad things and we know our good things. We know all the things about ourselves. And yet God said, none of that matters. Love each other. And the city knows how you know each other. And they know how we treat each other. And they see you loving each other. They see you giving yourselves to each other. They see the demonstration of God's love in your life. They see that servanthood just being oozed out all through your life as you touch every life that you come in contact with. And the town begins to take notice. Look at how those people love each other. They must have been with God. Because see, that kind of love can't come from any human being. That love comes only from God. Look how they love each other. Look how they reach out and demonstrate themselves to each other. Look how they touch their life. Every time you make a hospital visit, every time you send a card, every time you make a phone call, every time you make a visit, every time you take a meal to someone, provide a meal for a funeral, every time you do something that demonstrates your unselfishness to touch another person's life, you're saying to the world around them, we love each other. That's why we do this. It's not trying to get some kind of marks in heaven, not trying to set up some kind of credit system that everybody will think we're better than anybody else, but we just love each other. And it's a joy to be able to minister to one another and to be able to serve one another and to be able to walk with one another through whatever they may be going through, to pray with them and to empathize with them, whatever it may be, but we just love each other and we love being together. See, one of the reasons that we come together in worship 
and, and share together in worship, apart from the fact that God told us not to forsake assembling ourselves together, but it is the fact that if we're genuinely a part of the family, if we really know God is Lord and Savior of our life, if we've received Christ as Savior and we're learning how to love each other, then we come together because we want to be together. We love each other. I want to see you. I haven't seen you. I want to know what's going on in your life. I love being with you. And I don't want to take a chance on, on missing something that God's doing in the midst of it. And, and so I'm going to come together with the family of God. And, and we're just going to enjoy together the love of God as he loves us. And we're going to love one another. And we're just going to see what God wants to do today in our life. It's a joy to be together. It's a privilege to come. Because we are a family. And we love one another. And it was that love that, that turned the world upside down in those days. It's still that love that amazes people. It still can't be understood. People are still questioning how people who have so many things different can have a common bond and be one. One with the Father and God and Christ and one with one another because we love each other. Because of the things that are there. In Arlington National Cemetery you're aware of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You've heard about it, I'm sure, know about it, the things that go on there. And you'll remember that they have a guard on duty 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year, always. There's never a time when there's not a guard at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And they change every hour. And when they come to the tomb, the new soldier who's coming to take, his, take the place of the one that's been on guard comes and reports. And as he reports, the one who's been on guard gives him the orders of the day, of the orders of the time. And the orders are this. Orders remain unchanged. That means the orders that were given way back when, when it started, still are in existence today every time a soldier comes. And every time he takes his place, he is told, orders remain unchanged. 2,000 years ago, our Lord, our King, our Commander, gave us a command. Now, a lot of things have changed since then. Our world's different. It's hard to live in this world and be Christian. It's hard to make it day by day, to earn a living, to do all the things that we need to do. There's so much in our world. But, folks, the orders remain unchanged. We're to love one another in the same way. That God loves us. And it is by that that we're going to change our world. One person at a time. When we love each other. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we've listened to your word and, and tried to allow ourselves maybe to think about it together some and, and what it really means. And Father, I pray that you've planted thoughts in our minds and, and planted seeds in our hearts and that we'll just allow those things to continue to go over. We'll think about them. We'll let those seeds be cultivated and let them grow in our hearts so they can produce the results that you want to in our life and that we'll become more and more people who learn how to love you and in loving you to love each other the way that we ought to, the way that we're called to, the way that Christ loved us. Father, we, we just... We could never put into words our gratitude for your love for us and the way you demonstrated it to us. Help us to learn how to love each other in the same way. Help us to be the kind of people who give such a demonstration of the love of God in our life and for one another that others begin to get a little bit thirsty, a little bit hungry. They want to taste they want to experience the kind of love that they see in our lives and the 
life that we're sharing with each other. They want to be a part of a family like that, of a church body like that. They can so love each other. God, if we could really demonstrate that love, we could begin changing our communities and even our world. But it has to start here among the people of God. It has to start in the house of God that we have to love each other the same way you loved us.